الحمد لله الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين ما بعد فعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لقد من الله على المؤمنين بعث فيهم رسولا من أنفسهم يتلو عليهم آياته ويزكيهم ويعلمهم الكتاب والحكمة وإن كانوا من قبل في ضلال مبين صدق الله العالم العظيم my dear respected most honorable elders, beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. First of all, we begin by thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, by glorifying and praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for enabling us with this unique opportunity to congregate in His house, to worship Him, to glorify Him, to send salutations upon His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And we pray that Allah Azza wa Jal will continue to facilitate such opportunities for us in the future. Where, alhamdulillah, in that unique moment right now where uh, whenever a significant event takes place or a significant tarikh, a significant uh, part of our history uh, becomes apparent, it's imperative that we lend an ear to it. It's imperative that we talk about it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on numerous occasions in the Quran informs us to talk about the blessings that Allah Azza wa Jal has, has blessed us with. Allah Azza wa Jal has encouraged us. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam himself has encouraged us on many occasions to talk about, to discuss when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed you with something. And no doubt the greatest blessing that has been bestowed not just upon this ummah, but on humanity as a whole is the arrival of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa We're extremely fortunate that we are among those fortunate individuals, those blessed individuals that have an opportunity to be from among the Ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is no doubt a great honor. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam being the last in the line of prophethood and no doubt the greatest of them all and afdalul khalq, the greatest creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we are fortunate enough to be among his subjects. We are fortunate to be among his representatives, his ummatis. And, and this is no doubt a, a great honor and one that we're negligent of thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for. That often we don't, how often is it that we raise our hands and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or we thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for blessing us to be among the ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It's not that often. And it's something that we should do more often. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, uh, in Surah 3 verse 164 لَقَدْ مَنَّ اللَّهُ عَلَى الْمُؤْمِينَ إِذْ بَعْثَ فِيهِمْ رَسُولًا مِنْ أَنْفُسِهِمْ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala certainly did confer a great favor upon the mu'mineen, the believers when he sent them a messenger from among themselves يَتْلُوا عَلَيْهِمْ آيَاتِهِ Who recited to them his verses وَيُزَكِّيهِمْ وَيُعَلِّمُهُمُ الْكِتَابَ وَالْحِكْمَةِ And he purified them and he taught them the book and the wisdom. وَإِن كَانُوا مِن قَبْلُ لَفِي ضَلَالٍ مُبِينٍ And although they have been in grave manifest error from before. 
So before the arrival of the Prophet ﷺ, we know the state of the world at the time. We know what existed in the world at the time. Here in Europe, it's that time is known as the Dark Ages. We refer to it as in the Arab world as Ayyamul Jahiliyyah. These were the days of Jahiliyyah, the days of ignorance, the days of darkness. And the arrival of the Prophet brought about a light. And the Prophet came as a beacon of light, that light of guidance for people to follow. And it's something that we as Muslims should not only be proud of, but we as Muslims should know how great a favor that the Prophet was by knowing about the world he existed in. When the Prophet arrived, what was the state of the world at the time? You know, truly then can we acknowledge the great favor that was bestowed upon us if we know of the state of the world in the time the Prophet was sent. All over the world, not just in, in, in the Hijaz where the Prophet was sent, not just towards the Arab world because the Prophet was, was sent to entire humanity. He wasn't just sent to the Arab people of his locale, of his uh, a certain area of land or his geographical area that he lived in. No. The Prophet the Prophet said, I've been sent for all of humanity, for every types of people. And if you look at the, the different types of people at the time and the way they existed, and the way they lived their lives, you know, the Arab people themselves were, were those stuck in their traditions and incorrect, ignorant cultures. They would bury their daughters alive. Women didn't have any rights at all. People, uh, rampant killing was something that was normal over the smallest of things. There was no dignity of human life. There was no worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Arabs worshipped two, 360 idols in and around the Kaaba. If you look at others at the time, the world in, 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 towards the east, the far east, in China, in Japan, incorrect, illicit customs were rampant. If you look towards the, the European world at the time, people were more worried about survival than anything else. The Prophet brought a standard for humanity to latch on to, for humanity to follow. And he taught them the book and he taught them wisdom. Wisdom to understand that there's a purpose behind your creation. Every single being created has a purpose and must serve that ultimate purpose. And what is the ultimate purpose? To worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to recognize Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And how do we recognize Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? By recognizing His creation, by knowing His creation, by knowing the purpose behind our creation. How we must be merciful towards one another, how we must take care of one another, how we must show compassion to one another. And in order for us to understand, in order for us to appreciate the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he sent down in the Quran to the noble heart of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, it's imperative that we have an example, a beacon of light to follow. You see, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't just send the book. He could have done so. He could have said, well, here you go. There's the book. I've revealed it. 
Go and read it. Go and act upon it. It's a perfect uh, compendium for everything that you would possibly need in your life. And there's no doubt about that. But that would be difficult for us to follow, would it not? You see, if I just gave you a book, and if I was trying to teach you the fiqh of salah, for example, and there's the intricate details that need to be taught to you, but instead of teaching them to you myself, I just gave you a book which has everything in it. And I said, here you go. Go and read that book. It's got all the information that you could possibly need. Learn it, and you're informed. That's going to be difficult for you, is it not? Because you need the research that's required. Right? You need an example for you to follow. You're not just going to be able to read and suddenly you're going to become a master of it. You need somebody teaching you. You need somebody living that book. You need some individual who was a perfect manifestation of that book. So that when he teaches you, you look at his example, his character, his noble character, and you follow him. And that example and that noble character that was sent to us was none other than the Prophet So in order for us to understand our religion, in order for us to understand and appreciate our creation, we must understand and appreciate the Messenger of Allah We must understand who he is, know about his sunnah, his seerah, his life, the way he lived it. What was the purpose of it? How much love did he have for his ummah? How much love did he have for his noble companions? What did he try to teach them? What was the message that the Prophet ﷺ was trying to convey? And that's why we always state, and the fuqaha have stated this also, that the Quran and the Sunnah go hand in hand. The noble book and the example of the Messenger ﷺ. We need both of them. They're synonymous with one another and it's imperative that we understand that one is for us incomplete without the other. Because the Quran itself tells us that in the Messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we've given you uswatun hasana, the most perfect of examples for you to follow. We've raised his remembrance for you. Why have we raised his remembrance for you? So that you understand and appreciate who he was, why he was sent to you, how fortunate you and I are for having him sallallahu alayhi wasallam as our messenger. You see, we can pray and try to reach Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In terms of our spiritual beings, we can pray and try to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Before prayer, we need to do our ablution. The Quran tells us or informs us that we must perform ablution in order for us to pray. The Quran tells us those fara'id aspects of our ablution, washing our hands up to our elbows, washing our faces, wiping our heads and washing our feet up to and including the ankles. The Quran tells us that. But is that the only thing we do in our wudu? No, we rinse our mouths. We rinse our nose. We try to wash each part three times. We try to increase the washing of our parts. The Prophet wasallam said, increase the washing of your parts. Don't just uh, wash up to your elbows and leave it there. Try to increase it up, and, up to your forearm, upper arm. Why? Because those parts that you wash, they will become enlightened on Yom al Where did that information come to us? It came from the Prophet ﷺ, the Sunnah of the Prophet 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran orders us to pray. Does he tell us to pray five times a day? No. It's a general announcement. It's a general term. The Prophet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, you must pray. Aqimu salah. Establish the prayer. Establish the prayer. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam taught us that there's five. And this is how we must read them. This is how many raka'at du'a'a for sunnah, for, 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 for nafal, in every single prayer. The Prophet taught us that. So in order for us to understand the Qur'an, we have to understand ultimately the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the sahib al-Qur'an, the one who the Qur'an was revealed to. Because nobody understood it better than the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This wasn't a book that was just revealed or given in book form. It was a message revealed to the prophetic heart of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The noble heart of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam over a period of 23 years. And then he distributed that message to his companions as he was ordered to do so, as he was commanded to do so. So it's imperative that we understand uh, exactly why the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was sent, for what purpose the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was sent. And then ultimately to appreciate it by reciting the Quran, reading the Quran, and then following the Sunnah of the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam. We already spoke about how the Prophet sallallahu alayhi was created as an exalted standard of character and the best exemplar for the human race. Was there anyone in human history who was a better role model for people to follow? No. You see, and I've mentioned this before, whenever, and there's some young people here, whenever young people look for a role model to follow, they always find the best of, of that individual. For example, I'll give you an example. If, if a child wants to become a footballer, right, has these dreams and aspirations of being a footballer, his aspirations are not limited to his local school team or his local Sunday league team. No child who envisages to become a footballer would limit his aspirations to playing for his local Sunday league team. If a child is dedicated and has a purpose of becoming a footballer, you know, his role models are not going to be the, if he wants to be a striker, he doesn't want to be a striker for his local Sunday league team, whatever our Portswood team is here or wherever in Southampton. His aspirations are much higher than that. If you ask that child, who do you look up to in this particular field? He will say, well, the best of the best, the creme de la creme. Who's the best footballer on the planet right now? Is it Lionel Messi? Is it Cristiano Ronaldo? I aspire to be like them. Why? Because they're the best in their particular field. People are only inspired by the best of something. People are not inspired by mediocrity. If you ask that child, well, but your local area is, is wherever you live in Shirley or you live in Southampton or you live in Bassett and they probably have a local team that plays every Sunday. You know, why don't you aspire to be like the striker who plays on their team, who scores 10 goals a game in a 30 goal scoring match? He's going to say, well, nobody knows what that is. I'm, you know, I aspire to be much more than that. I, I, I aspire for so much more. I want to be the best, and the best are these individuals, therefore I follow them. In any field, if, you want, if you've studied in university, 
And you've studied to become a lawyer, you've studied to become an engineer, you've studied to become a doctor. Or whatever field you've gone into, you want to be the best in your field. Nobody wants to be mediocre. Nobody is happy with mediocrity. So if we want our children to be inspired by the best character, have the best uh, uh, standard of character, we have to follow the best exemplar and the best individual, the one who had the most noble of character. The one who was sent to not only show us good character, but to perfect it for us. The Prophet said that I've been sent not only to show you what good character is, but to perfect it for you. <coughs> I've been sent to complete and perfect good character for you. Because if I show you the perfect manifestation of good character, then you're going to have a standard for you to follow. You're going to know, well, that's the best of, of, of kindness. That's the best of compassion. That's the best of mercy that we know of. Now we know what standards we have to achieve. We know what to follow. We know who to follow. And that's the example of the Prophet Today, Muslims have become overwhelmed somewhat. And it's, uh, civilization has been raised on secular education and throughout that secular education, which there's nothing wrong with, we've developed somewhat of an inferiority complex about our religious and cultural heritage. And it's imperative that we go back to our roots in order to appreciate it once again. Don't be afraid of talking about the Prophet Don't be afraid of loving, following and obeying the Messenger of Allah Don't let anyone take that away from you. Because that's what makes us Muslim. That's the only inspiration for us, the Messenger of Allah the Prophet said, whoever imitates a people is from them. And if we want to be from among the Ummah of the Prophet then it's imperative that we imitate the Ummah of the Prophet We look at the lives of the companions, you know, khayrun, uh, khayrun nas. The Prophet told us that they're the best of people. The Prophet time was khayrul qurun, the best of times. So in, in order for us to understand and appreciate the environment that the Prophet was sent to, which was a toxic and hostile environment. And to thrive in an easy environment is relatively easy, is it not? You know, where you have the freedoms to express yourself, you have the freedoms to be who you want to be, it's easy for you to be successful in that environment. But to be raised in such a toxic and hostile environment, where people didn't understand the message that the Prophet ﷺ was trying to convey. And in fact, not only did they not, did they not understand it, they tried to kill the Messenger of Allah ﷺ. They hurt, they tried to hurt him and torture his companions for believing in this message that they could not understand, they couldn't comprehend. It was a hostile environment. And thriving in that environment requires an exemplar standard of, exemplary standard of character. Morality. The Prophet ﷺ brought morality where there was no sense of, of, of morality, no sense of ethics. People didn't care about the dignity of human life. The Prophet ﷺ came and informed the people of how, how that bond between, between human beings should be. 
what standard we should adopt. People didn't care about the rights of, 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 of women 1400 years ago. In fact, 100 years ago in Western Europe, people didn't care about the rights of women. Women didn't have the right to vote up until the 20th century. The Prophet sallallahu informed us 1400 years ago when in, in that toxic, hostile environment, people were burying their daughters alive. When the buried one will ask, for what sin was she killed? That's the environment that the Prophet ﷺ was sent to. So in order for us to understand and truly appreciate his words, his noble existence, his noble life, we have to understand that. We have to appreciate that, that environment and how the Prophet ﷺ shone like a beaten beacon of light. It's imperative that we understand that. So the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ is an integral part of the Muslim faith. Its negligence, its, its abandonment would not only diminish our faith, but it wouldn't serve the best, uh, you know, it wouldn't serve as, as the best way in following our tradition and, and our culture. In fact, our tradition and our culture, our religious tradition would become wiped out without uh, the following or the obeying of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam told us that there will come a time when following on to one of my sunnahs would become as difficult as holding on to a, a hot boiling lump of coal, in your, uh, of coal in your hand. Nobody's going to pick up a lump of, of coal which is burning, it's going to burn straight through their hands. That's how difficult it's going to be. But the Prophet also told us of the rewards when he said that whoever revives a sunnah from among my sunnahs that has been abandoned after me, then he will have the equal reward of all people who act upon it without d diminishing his reward in any way. So the Prophet told us no matter how difficult, the more difficulties you face, the greater the reward is going to be. You see, if you're going through a, a rough patch, right? Something hostile, you're in that hostile environment that is making things difficult for you in order for you to be successful. And you continue to strive, you continue to work hard. You know, the victory at the end of that is going to be so much sweeter, isn't it? In exactly the same way, the more we struggle and the more we strive to follow in the footsteps of the divine, of, of, the, of, of the Prophet wasallam, then there is no doubt that the victory at the end of it, the reward at the end of it, is going to be that much greater. The Quran tells us whatever the Prophet you know, we've got the standard already. You know, it's not that we have to go out and search for it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran, whatever the Prophet has given you, take it. Whatever he has forbidden you from, leave it. It's as simple as that. You want to know how to follow the Quran? You want to know how to reach Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Then go through the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ عِبَادِي عَنِّي فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, When my servant asks you, سَأَلَكَ عَنِّي about me فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ Then I am near. In order for us to reach Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, 
We've got to go through the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. In order for us to understand and appreciate Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala and the purpose of our creation, we have to go through the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. We have to understand and appreciate the Prophet Alaihi Salatu Wasallam. Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala didn't say, when, they ask, when my servant asks you about me, when my servant wants to know, oh, he, he didn't say, oh, you who believe, inni qareeb, I'm near. Whenever you want to reach me, just raise your hands and I'll be there to answer your call. No, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, when he asks you about me, when he goes through you, then tell my servant, inni qareeb, I'm near. I'm as close to you as I can possibly be. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in numerous places in the Quran, Whoever obeys the messenger has indeed obeyed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In this verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands a strict adherence, a strict obedience to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And that obedience necessitates love. You see, when we talk about loving the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Loving something is easy. Falling in love with something is easy because it's a human emotion. It's a natural human emotion to love. We've been created as beings who can fall in love, who experience feelings and emotions. That's what distinguishes us from other creatures, that we have those feelings of empathy. We have those feelings of love and compassion and mercy and tolerance. But if we claim to be from among those who love the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and each and every Muslim claims to be from among them, all of us, it's a part of our faith. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam told us, لا يؤمن أحدكم حتى أكون أحب إلي من والده ووالده والناس أجمعين None of you can truly believe until I become more beloved to him than his father, his son and all of mankind. It's, it's, uh, it's an integral part of our faith to love the Prophet And we're all claimants of that, of that prophetic love. But love necessitates ittiba. Love necessitates following. You see, if I uh, love uh, a particular football team, that I'm going to follow that football team. If I love an, an individual, I'm going to be inspired by that individual's characteristics, by that individual's morality, by that individual's ethics and the way that individual lives his or her life. If we claim to be lovers of the Prophet Sallallahu that is, it's imperative that we understand who he Sallallahu was and then we try to live according to the life that he lived. And there's so many things that we can take from that. In every, you know, people say, well, you know, the Prophet Sallallahu was sent to a community 1400 years old. It was a 1400 year old community. And you know, the Prophet his message was for that community. But the message of the Prophet Sallallahu that message of humanity was universal. It transcends place and time. The things that the Prophet Sallallahu told us to do 1400 years ago, they're still applicable today. So it's not as if the Prophet Sallallahu's message is outdated. You won't find a message that the Prophet said something that today has been proven false. 
Never. That's the beauty of our message or the, or the message of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Just look at something as simple as uh, the, the dietary uh, uh, or the diet of the Prophet Alaihi Salatu Wasallam. What the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam would eat, what he would consume. Never will you find, any, and, and today we've got different types of medicine. We've got medicine for other medicines. That's how much medicine had, has advanced in the 21st century. If there's an illness, we found a cure, or we're looking for a cure. So we know what you, those foods that are right for you to eat, those foods that have some, some negative aspects to them. Every single morsel of food that the Prophet ate, today nobody can say that that's unhealthy for you. It's proven to be the diet of a prophet. It's proven to be a diet of, of, of an exemplary individual, of a healthy individual. Every single command of the Prophet is applicable in the day and age that we live. So it's imperative for us to understand that. I'm going to leave you with with, uh, with something, um, there's a hadith of the Prophet and this hadith I feel is directed at you and me. You know, there are certain individuals when you tell them, well the Prophet said this, or the Prophet did this, and, and they'll ignore it, or they wouldn't give it the attention that it's due. This hadith is narrated by Miqdam uh, ibn Ma'di Karib, he narrates the Prophet said, he said, and the Prophet he warned them, it's a warning he starts off with. He said, Lo, soon a hadith from me will be conveyed to a man. Will be conveyed to a man while he's reclining on his couch. While he's reclining on his couch, a hadith of mine will be, uh, will be conveyed to him. And he's going to say, between us and between you is Allah's book. I.e. we have the book of guidance, the Quran. So whatever we find in that, it's lawful, we consider it lawful, and whatever we find in that unlawful, we consider it unlawful. And indeed, whatever the Messenger of Allah has made unlawful, it is the same as what Allah has made unlawful. So he's going to somewhat belittle the words of the noble Messenger of Allah And we're in that time now, when we don't pay attention to what the Prophet did, why he did it, what he said, and why he said it. And it's imperative that we go back to our roots. And we understand that. In, in order for us to do that, we have to learn more about him. So being in, in, in the month now in which the Prophet ﷺ was born, Rabbi al-Awwal, it's imperative. In Ramadan, what do we do? In Ramadan, we, uh, we try to reconnect ourselves to the Qur'an. The Qur'an was revealed in this month. It's imperative that we establish a relationship with it. Try now to establish a relationship with your Prophet. Nothing bad is going to come out from it. In fact, only good is going to come out from you reconnecting yourself to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. May Allah subhanahu wa taala give me and you tawfiq and ability to act upon the teachings of the Quran and the noble messenger of, of, of Allah subhanahu wa taala sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Wa akhir da'wana an hamdulillahi rabbil alamin.